Anyway, all right, sorry. <laughs> Let's pray. Let's pray before we go before the Lord uh, and into his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that it is, it is a day that we remember the Pentecost. Jesus, when you said it is, it is better for you to leave because you are going to impart on us, in us, with us, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. The one, the one who holds the power, the one who is all truth. God, your Holy Spirit, you've given to those who confess and believe, and we thank you for it. So this morning, Holy Spirit, uh, stand in this body that you've given me. Speak with my mouth so that your truth will go out with power, with Pentecost power, to activate us in faith, to make disciples who make disciples, to live our life in a way that is life-giving to the fallen and broken world around us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus, because it's the name above all names. Amen. What's, um, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Think for a minute. Spiders? Okay, I get it. Yeah. Spiders. <laughs> Go a little deeper for me. Go a little deeper. What are you truly afraid of? Are you afraid for your safety? Are you afraid for a loved one's safety? You're afraid of your future. Maybe, maybe you're fearful that you won't be able to find a job. You won't be able to find a spouse. You won't be able to find joy. Maybe you're afraid of next week's, next month's bills coming. Maybe you're afraid of this month's bills being here. Maybe you fear death or that things won't change. Or maybe, maybe you're afraid of how people view you. You fear their perspective. What are you afraid of? Seems a funny question to ask this morning as we wrap up this By Faith series where we've been looking at Hebrews 11. The hall of faith, these ancients who led by a faithful example. But this morning, it is the faith of Moses that requires that we honestly ask ourselves that question. What are you afraid of? So while you ask yourself that question, while you dig a little deeper, while you, while, while you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into those areas of fear to identify them, let's let the word of God wash over us. As we dig into who you are, who we are to see what God has for us this morning. Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw that he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with, people, along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, 
not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Moses. Moses. Moses, who was born into a time where the Israelites have fallen out of favor with the Pharaoh of Egypt. You see, it is the same Israelites who 400 years prior fled by the faith of Joseph. They fled the famine and found favor because of the faith of Joseph with Egypt, being able to live off the storehouses that had been built up by the powerhouse of the world at that time. 400, generation after generation has come and gone. 400 years has passed. A lot changes in 400 years. Would you agree? There were no cell phones 400 years ago. Probably weren't even canned foods. I don't know, 400 years is a long time ago. A lot changes in 400 years. And the Israelites had fallen out of favor with the Pharaoh, with the king. In fact, now the Israelites find themselves enslaved in, in Egypt. And on top of that, the number of Israelites is growing rapidly. Even though they're enslaved, they are multiplying. And the Pharaoh, he, he takes issue with this. This is actually something to be afraid of. They're, if they get to be such a number, if they revolt, if they fight back, if there's a mutiny, we're not going to be able to defend ourselves. We're not going to be able to keep them enslaved. And so what does he do? He treats them like animals. Let's thin the herd. And the king, the pharaoh, sends out an edict. He makes a law that says the firstborn, excuse me, that's later in the story, any male boy born a Hebrew, any Israelite baby boy who is born must be killed. This is the law. And right in the middle of this, while the edict is in action, Moses is born. And he's born secretly, and he's hidden for three months. Why? Because he is no ordinary boy. The Hebrew for this here, the actual original language for this, he's no ordinary boy, boy, literally means there was something divine about him. There was something magnificent about him. His parents could see God had set him aside for something divine. He was no ordinary boy. Moses' parents had faith in God, in his purpose, even though they didn't know what this plan or purpose may be. In fact, that's what makes faith faith, right? If we've learned anything through this series called By Faith, is that faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. So they have faith because they can't see it. If they could see it, we call that fact. Moses' parents didn't have fact that he was an ordinary child. They had faith. 
They didn't fear the law of the land. They didn't fear the consequences. And can you imagine the consequences? Can you think about that for a minute? If the law is quite literally murder baby boys, the consequence for not murdering a baby boy has got to be pretty egregious. But they don't fear that. They don't fear the Pharaoh's wrath because of their faith in the one true God. And after being hidden for three months, Moses was laid in a basket in the reeds, set adrift into the Nile River because not fear, but faith. And Pharaoh's daughter, while bathing in the Nile, sees this baby in a basket. And she's without child. And her heart goes out to this infant. And now it's important to understand that the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's family, they are lowercase g, gods in this culture. So for the Pharaoh's daughter, who is a goddess, to find a baby in the Nile would not be as strange as, as it would be today for us. The Nile in and of itself was also worshipped. It's a place of all power, divine authority. It is the Nile is the giver of life. So finding a baby, a goddess who is without child, finding a baby in the Nile would have been seen as a divine gift. Who is the father of this child? The Nile. It was an act of the lowercase g gods. And so the Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses and raises him as her own. And guess which woman the, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's daughter asked to nurse this child because she can't nurse this child. She's not the baby's mother. She looks at this child, she's alive. He is my son now, but I can't raise him. Not on my own, not at this stage. So she calls to a local Israelite woman who happens to be nursing and says, I'll pay you to raise this little baby. And she picks Moses' birth mother. This woman who just acted in faith in God puts her no ordinary child in the Nile. He washes away, is picked up by a goddess from the culture, and the goddess says, here's your baby. Can I pay you to take care of it? Faith. According to the Jewish tradition, the Pharaoh at this time has only one daughter. And his daughter is childless, childless until Moses. So at the very least, Moses, at this point, he's adopted into this family. Adopted might be the wrong word. He's taken into this family. And at least he's the prince of Egypt. But at most, he is the heir to the throne of Egypt. And this position as the prince of Egypt grants Moses access to privilege and prestige and honor and education, the finest of everything. Moses has access and power and he grows up in this environment while, while also nursing from his birth mother. No doubt hearing the stories of the great God of Israel. You see, Moses was split between two worlds. 
And by faith, when he had grown up, he refuses to be known as the Pharaoh's daughter. He is an Egyptian, but he is a Hebrew. He is an Israelite. And he refuses, when he grows up, to be referred to as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He has power and privilege as an Egyptian, and he has nothing as a Hebrew. He has pain and struggle as an Israelite. He cannot live in both worlds any longer. Now, I'm not sure if coming to the point of, of, of deciding who he is was from external pressure or internal conflict. But what I do know is a choice had to be made. One would be a choice of comfort and pleasure. And the other would be a choice of the unknown, a choice of pain. It would mean giving up everything because of who he is who he really is. And he chooses to move from the prince of the world to a slave to it. Because Moses didn't fear the unknown. Moses didn't fear losing comfort. Moses had faith. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a short time. Remember, we're told that he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Didn't matter to him what the response of the world would be. Didn't matter to him if pain was on the horizon. Didn't matter the struggle that lied ahead. It is the faith Moses has in the truth of God's promises that what God said to Abraham was true. That what God said to Isaac was true. That what God said to Jacob was true. That what God said to Joseph was true. That all of these promises that were made will come to fruition. And what promise is that? That there is a time coming when God's people will be free. Moses had faith that God would fulfill his promises despite all worldly signs pointing the contrary. That's not possible. 400 years you've been enslaved, God's people, and now you're getting too big, so we're going to kill off all your baby boys. Freedom is not knocking on their door, or so it would seem. Moses had faith because disgrace, suffering, rejection, Misunderstanding for the sake of God's promise was more valuable than the treasures of this world, the privilege of this world, the comfort of this world. Because reward lies ahead of us, and it's priceless. And one day, <clears throat> Moses sees an Egyptian this Egyptian is overseeing the hard labor of the Israelites. I say hard labor, but it's slave labor. And this Egyptian who's overseeing the, the labor actually starts beating. He strikes and starts beating one of Moses' Hebrew Israelite brothers. And Moses loses it. And he goes down. He's going to have words with this Egyptian. No, he's not. He murders him on the spot, and he buries him in the sand. <clears throat> you don't think the internal conflict in Moses is real? He didn't go down to talk it out. 
He didn't use his prestige and power. He responded. I'm not saying that's right. What I'm saying is it shows us this tension that Moses is in. And then the next day, Moses sees two of his brothers fighting. Two of his, not of his blood brothers, but of his Hebrew brothers, his Israelite brothers, his, his brothers in, in God at that point, because Christ had yet to come. And he goes down to them and he says, why are you fighting? You are God's chosen people, your brothers. What, what could you be fighting about? Your brothers. And one of the Hebrew men looked at Moses and they said, who made you the judge, Moses? Who made you our ruler? Who made you so righteous? What are you going to do if we don't listen? Are you going to bury us in the sand too? And Moses, who thought no one knew, all of a sudden realized everybody knows what he's done. Everybody knows. And he flees. He flees Egypt. Because he's afraid. He's not afraid of the Pharaoh. It says in, in verse 27 there that he left, he, he left Egypt not fearing the Pharaoh's anger. No, no, no. He's not afraid of the Pharaoh. I believe, I believe he's afraid that he no longer belongs, that he doesn't know where he fits in, that he is completely alone because he's not an Egyptian. He's refused the name of the Pharaoh's daughter. He doesn't belong there. He's got this tension. He doesn't fit there. But now the Hebrews think he's a murderer. How is he ever going to fit in with God's chosen people? They all know. They know his worst stuff. They know his vulnerabilities. They know his deepest, darkest sin. And he flees fearful that he doesn't belong. That he's all alone. He still has faith in God's promises. He just feels like no one understands. Who made you the judge, Moses? You're going to bury me too? And Moses flees to Midian. But even in this fear, as I said, he has faith. He actually finds himself in, in favor with a Midian priest. And he has so much favor with this Midian priest that actually uh, Moses ends up marrying one of his daughters. And, and Moses and his wife end up having a, a child. And years go by, and, and things are looking pretty good for Moses. He has his faith. He has his family. He's tending his father-in-law's flock. All the while, the current, the pharaoh from the past in Egypt has passed away and a new Pharaoh has risen up and the people of Israel who are still enslaved in Egypt are groaning. The scriptures say they are crying out to God in a new way. How long must we endure this hardship? And Moses is out tending his father-in-law's flock when there's a bush that is on fire and it's not being consumed. So he goes over to the bush. And can we just pause here real quick? If you saw a bush on fire that wasn't being consumed, would your first thought be, let's check that out? <laughs> you know, if there's a bush that's on fire, I'm like, get behind me, Satan, right? Go away. My kids are laughing. They have no idea what that means. Either that or they're super wise in the spirit. It is Pentecost after all. He <laughs> goes over to the bush, which is on fire and being, not being consumed. And he goes over and the Lord says, go get my people. And Moses Moses is reluctant. Me? 
You want me to go get your people? But, but I know what the Egyptians think about me. I killed one of theirs. And I know what the Hebrews think about me. They think that I'm dirty. I'm a murderer. I don't fit in. You want me to go and get your people? And he says, go. Tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. Tell them I am sent you. So Moses goes, reluctant. There's still fear, right? But he acts. He goes back to Egypt, gathering God's people. And, and, and his action of going back to Egypt ignites a faith in the people of God who, who have lost all hope. He tells the Pharaoh to let God's people go, and he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. But the Pharaoh won't listen. And so God sends plague after plague after plague after plague. The last plague is one of judgment. The firstborn of every family will die unless the blood of a lamb is painted on the doorpost. If the Israelites do this, if they put lamb's blood on their doorpost, death will pass over their household. Can you imagine this? Blood of a lamb on a doorpost to save the firstborn from death. This is the God who just sent plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. They know death is coming. They believe death is coming. And the Israelites do not fear. They have faith in God's grace. So doorposts are painted. Death comes and it passes over Israel. And the Pharaoh actually ends up telling the Hebrews, the Israelites, get out. It's not that you're free. You have to go. Why? Because death consumed his firstborn, his son. And Israel's free. Well, kind of. Scholars have a very conservative estimate as to how many people left in the Exodus at this time. The conservative estimate is 2.4 million Israelites walked out of Egypt on that day. 2.4 million. It wasn't get out of here and they're like, all right, see ya, and they were just gone. It took a while to get 2.4 million people out of Egypt. And because of that, enough time had gone by where the Pharaoh had turned from sadness and grief to anger and hostility, and he said, now go get them. Bring them back. They don't get to be free. And so the Israelites, as they're leaving Egypt, they look over their shoulders and they see the Egyptians coming. They're getting closer. They turn, they look in front of them, and they're stuck between a rock and a red place, the Red Sea, in front of them. And the Egyptians are right there. There's not enough time to go around it. There's not enough time. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. Got to go through it. <laughs> right? Hey, you're with me. They don't want to be enslaved again. <laughs> what are they going to do? But they don't fear. They have faith. And God parts the Red Sea right down the middle. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Israel was saved by faith. So, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? 
I mentioned earlier that this question is key to our passage this morning. And it's because our fear shows us where God wants to grow faith. And fear pushes us away from those areas. Do you fear your future? Do you fear the unknown? Do you fear that maybe there really isn't a God out there at all? Is this all even real? And if I actually sell out on this Jesus thing, I don't know what's going to happen. If that's you, God wants you to grow in faith. He wants to grow your faith in him. He wants to grow your faith in him, that he is the one true God. And just like Moses' parents who didn't fear the Pharaoh's edict, with faith, you don't need to fear the unknown. Because God. Yeah, but Nate, I, I have this faith in Jesus, and it's, and it, you know, I, I, I'm just split between two worlds. I mean, I'm, I'm one person during the week and with my family, and I'm one person at church on Sunday, and, I, and I'm just stuck between two worlds. And I don't know, it's not that I don't know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen when I give my life entirely over to God. I know what I'm going to lose. I don't know if I can do that. If that's you, God wants to grow your faith in his plan, his plan to redeem, to love, to hold, to keep. His plan is not to harm you. Because that plan, that plan is infinitely better than any short-lived pleasure of sin in this world. Do I believe comfort is a sin? No, I don't believe comfort is a sin. But what I do believe is very quickly we can turn comfort into an idol, and then that idol becomes a false god, and that is a sin. God wants you to have faith in his plan, and more importantly, he wants to grow your faith in his plan. Not your plan. Not the world's plan. You think anyone up here a little while ago had their own personal plan of, hmm, we're going to go do one of the hardest things in the world and start a church. We're all working on faith. (laughs) We don't have it mastered. Just like Moses. Moses had to choose who he was, an Israelite or an Egyptian. We too have to choose, are we the world's? Or are we Christ's? Maybe, maybe you don't fit into either of those categories. Maybe, maybe you're just afraid. Maybe, maybe you're just afraid that you're alone in this. What's this? Your current circumstance, your current hardship, your current pain, your current situation, you're alone and you're afraid that you're alone. You're afraid that God's not there. You're afraid that people aren't there. You're afraid of what what people out there might think. And your faith is holding on by a thread. Well, when your faith is holding on by a thread and fear resounds, even then, even a thread of faith, even a seed of faith is enough to act and face your fear. Like Moses heading back into Egypt, he was reluctant. I'm not going to do this. And he had a thread of faith. I mean, it also helped that God showed up in a burning bush, but he had a thread of faith that the promise was still real. And he acted going back into Egypt. And the scriptures say he persevered in his faith over fear. So to you who are afraid, I say, act. 
And that act of faithfulness reignited a faith in God's grace to trust that a lamb's blood painted on a doorpost would save. And if you're afraid this morning, if you only have a little bit of faith, act on it. How do you act? Paint your doorposts with lamb's blood. Because it is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that those who believe in him and confess with their tongues, they're saved. They're saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, whose blood, the blood of the Lamb, was shed on the cross. And now he invites you to walk in his promises on dry land. There is one true God. And the world will tempt you with her pleasures. Yeah, sometimes faith is hard. You know what? No. I wrote that down. That is false. Let's correct that right now. Faith is hard. Always. But you aren't alone. He is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We, we are the body of Christ, the church. We are in this together. And yes, we get scared, but fear not. I was saying to somebody after the breakwater service, she's like, I get, I get so afraid so often. I have all these fears, and it's just, I have faith too, so that fear has to leave. It would not say fear not so often in the Bible if fear just left and never came back. Fear comes back. And fear resounds. And we act on our threat of faith. And yes, we get scared, but fear not. Confess and believe and know you are a son of the redeemed. You are a daughter of the redeemed. Because victory is Christ's. His promises are true. And the parted sea has collapsed on sin, drowning in the sacrifice of our Savior. This is the faith that surrounded Moses. And this is the faith that surrounds you and I. Faith, it's fierce foe. So what are you afraid of? Because that is exactly where God wants to grow your faith. And it begins by saying, yes, Jesus. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, I'm going to come back to you. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, I'll do what you say. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, I'm going to trust you even though I don't know. Maybe it's, yes, Jesus, this is hard, but I know you're with me. Yes, Jesus, I know you're still here. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. If you don't know how to say yes to Jesus, I don't care what level you're at, what stage you're at, not level, what stage you're at, what you're saying yes to Jesus about. If you don't know how to say yes to Jesus, come down here. It can be now. It can be after the service. I'm going to say yes to Jesus with you. Because he wants to grow your faith. So faith can abound. Just like Moses. Pray with me. Father, it's simple. Give us faith. We know that love powers faith, and we know that perfect love casts out fear, and we know that fear will return. Give us faith. Grow us in faith so we may love you, we may love one another, and that the world can see our faithfulness 
but more importantly, the world could see your faithfulness in us so they can come to know you. And so we don't just reach the next 200 for Christ. We reach we reached the next 2 million for you, Lord. We reach the next 20 million for you, Lord, because we are your church. And your faith is our example. May we fear not. We pray this in your name. Amen. I mentioned, um, I mentioned if you're ready to say yes and you don't know how to say yes to Jesus in any of those different stages, I mean it. I'd love to say yes to you. And I know a whole bunch of people that love to say yes to you. Yes, with you. So this is for you, but this is also for all of us. As our benediction, as our blessing this morning, I want to read the words of Paul in his letter to the church in Corinth. Listen to this reminder. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is with God who makes both, of, both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is who you are. Because of Christ's yes, we can have faith in. We can have faith in him. And go and be the amen through the action of our faith in this world. So let's go in peace. I'm not going to say amen because we're going to go and be the amen. Have a great week.